Welcome to the Lion's Roar Dharma Center podcast from Dona Darge Temple. This public talk by a student of Lama Yeshe Jinpa was recorded during a regularly scheduled Sunday service. Good morning. Can everybody hear me okay? All right. Uh, my name is Noelle, and this is the first Dharma talk that I've done, so that's my disclaimer if you see me going like this. I don't have the tremors. I just have a little case of the nerves, but that's okay. Um, I brought a visual aid, which is very hard to see, <laughs> but I'll get to that. Um, so, uh, would you mind raising your hand if you've never been here before? Oh, great. Welcome. Thanks for coming out to support me today. <laughs> I know you came just for me. <laughs> um, so, uh, I am going, I have a written speech, so I don't kind of meander, and I'm going to try to not stare at it, it the whole time, so you guys can see my face. Um, but I want to start this talk by claiming no expertise on the subject of Dharma and parenting, which may be a sentiment that all the parents in the room <laughs> can relate to. Um, you could read just about every parenting book that there is and still feel like you didn't maybe know anything once your child arrives and it's, it's uh, the real deal. Um, so last month I received an email from Susan Farrar, who is one of our founding uh, members of the Sangha, and she wasn't able to be here today. Um, and she asked me to... Well, she let me know that Lama had requested that I, I do a talk. And so he's our teacher, Lama Jinpa. And so, of course, I'm going to do it. Um, and it's on the importance of families uh, in Dharma temple practices, which is what we have here at this uh, temple, which means that it includes everything. It's not, um, it's not retreat style. It's not quiet. It's noisy. It's chaotic sometimes. A lot like most of our lives, right? Um, and uh, the request, the email included a reminder of how interdependent and interrelated children and community are. And um, so most of you know, most of you who have been coming for a while know that I have two kids. And um, I have a seven-year-old and I have a four-year-old. So my daughter Gia is seven, my son is uh, four. And I uh, started really late in life, so I'll be 50 at my next birthday. So I'm extra tired, even more tired than most parents who are pretty tired. Um, but it's great because I have the Dharma and that actually reinvigorates me. Um, so I'm also, so I'm a student of Lama's and I, um, I'm also the facilitator of the mother's group that we have here. So if you want some support, um, first and third Saturday, right here, shameless plug. It's a great group. Um, so when I, um, I'm just going to say, and I might get emotional, because sometimes we do that. Um, but I am so grateful um, for all of the veteran Sangha members who pitched in to, to purchase this temple so that we have, would have a place to come um, to, to lay down our burdens and be supported and loved and have the opportunity to understand our true nature, which is really beautiful. All of us have that, uh, a true nature, which is really beautiful. So... Um, 
And I also want to thank your patients, by the way. Those of you who don't have children, and so you don't know what the maybe you don't know what the chaos is and the exhaustion and the, of, of living with children, that you could be in some quiet Zen Sangha um, blissing out right now, but you come here <laughs> and, um, and you support us. Um, and so I really am grateful for that. Um, let's see. <clears throat> so when I first came to Lions Roar Dharma Center, which was, a couple of years ago, I came to a service. I actually came to a meditation um, group in the community room. Uh, and Teruko, who is the uh, head of our Little Buddhist program, was facilitating. And, um, I, and then uh, shortly thereafter, I started coming to the Dharma um, services. And my children started coming to the Little Buddhist program. And I was so relieved that, um, that I felt like I had found my spiritual home. And um, so afterward, in the community room, we were sharing tea and snacks, which I welcome you all to do, by the way. We have a great sangha, which is community. Um, that's another way to say um, our fellow practitioners who are on this path with us. And so we meet in the community room for tea and snacks afterwards. So on the first Sunday that I was here, I went back to the community room, and um, I was talking to one of the Sangha members and saying, God, how grateful I am to have a place like this, you know, where, and, and what I really wanted was, uh, I wanted a mother's group that was, um, that gave me real support, that wasn't, you know, let's drink wine and eat chocolate and complain about our husbands, which is not really <laughs> going to nurture the best parts of myself, right? Um, uh, real support, I really needed real support. And there really wasn't much. Um, there really wasn't. There really wasn't a lot. Um, wasn't much help available. Um, so Susan Ferrar was sitting at, at the table, and I, if you're new here, I hope you come back and listen to one of her talks because she's so uh, knowledgeable. Um, so she was sitting around the table, and she jumped in, and she said, "You know, I just love it when people take the initiative. You know, they see a need and they just jump right in." And and I was thinking to myself. You know, I'm not exactly sure that I had just volunteered to run a mother's group. You know, I was like, <laughs> but Susan is very skillful like that. Yeah. So, so here I am. Um, so, uh, one of the themes that comes up in uh, our temple is how do people come to Dharma? And I know that Lama, our Lama, likes to know those stories because they're they're so varied, and yet they have a similar theme, right? We all want to be free of suffering. So um, when I was 12 years old, I came across a copy of Herman Hesse's uh, auto, uh, bi- his biography of Siddhartha, um, called Siddhartha. Um, as some wonderful school librarian had put it on display. I'm going to take a moment to be really grateful for that. Because I wouldn't have thought that, right? Okay. So... I, re- I took this copy home. I was 12. took it home. I read it from cover to cover, and I, I was astounded that there was... I'm going to take these off, because I just realized they're... Okay. That'll give me a moment to breathe, too. So... Uh, 
I read this biography, and I, for those, raise your hand if you've read the book. Yeah. So maybe you guys have a similar experience. I read it, and I, I thought to myself, gosh, we know, what a cool guy. <laughs> so look how he talks to people. Look how he acts. You know, everybody should be like this. Where are all the ad- other adults in the world who are like this? And But I didn't have any idea that... I thought he was a historical figure that just lived a long time ago. I didn't know that there was anybody practicing Dharma. I didn't know there were temples. I didn't know there were any. I didn't know that anybody could achieve the mind or had the Buddha nature. I didn't know it, I could have it for myself. TMI, I'm also going through menopause, and menopausal women cry a lot. They cry a lot. But it's great. It's ha- happy tears. So happy. Such happy tears. All right. Um, so, um, so anyway, so I thought he was just a historical guide. I didn't know, I didn't know that it would have a context in my life. And then, and then somewhere along the line, I came across this little figurine of Buddha. I think this is a Chinese resin Buddha. He's fat and happy. And he has a tanka on his back, which is one of these beautiful um, sacred paintings that we have. And um, actually, my son chipped the tanka, which I actually kind of like, because it reminds me of, a, of an old Tibetan story that I won't get into today. But um, because I carry the message in my heart, and it's not about the actual thing. So, um, but I came across this figurine, and I might have pilfered it from somebody, perhaps. <laughs> I don't remember. I actually don't remember how I got it. And, um, and the neat thing about it is that it, I, it's the only thing that I have of my childhood. The only thing. I don't have a teddy bear. I don't have a book. I don't have a piece of clothes. I have this. Gratitude. So, here I go again. You guys are comfortable with this now, right? It's no big thing. It's just no big thing. <laughs> Okay, so um, so then I, I kind of just fell into the fog of being a human being, and I, uh, you know, I endured suffering, and I caused suffering, and I kind of, uh, you know, when Facebook came out, then I would see Dalai Lama's memes, and that was great, and so I had kind of very dilettante dharma practice, and a book every now and then when I was stressed out, and I'd sit down, and oh, I feel better, you know, um, but I didn't, I didn't have a sangha. I didn't have a teacher. Um, and then one day, after having enough of samsara, I found this place, and I have been coming back ever since. So that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Um, <clears throat> now, to anchor my talk today, I want to mention a few teachings of the Buddha that I feel particularly apply to the subject today. Um, I'm drawing on... Uh, Pith teachings that I've received from Lama in personal instruction. And um, I'm also drawing from the Burzen Archives, which is a very excellent, very scholarly collection of Dharma resources that you can find online. And and, um, he's been mentioned and referenced in Dharma talks before. Um, It's better, it's not like, um, it's not Google Dharma, right? We, we search around and we go, what's the answer to this? What's the answer to that? And we get kind of out of context. So the Burson Archives is really organized and, and uh, well-cited. So um, I'm also drawing on this book, which is No Time to Lose, which is uh, Pema Children. 
she's a Tibetan nun, and it's a commentary on um, the way of the Bodhisattva from the great Shantideva, who is um, a beautiful, wonderful Bodhisattva teacher from long ago. Um, and I'm also drawing on the Lojong slogans, seven-point mind training. Everyone can use the mothers, fathers, uh, people with no kids. Um, <laughs> we're all in it together. All in it together. So, um, so you may have seen that if you've been coming for a while, um, or even just a little while, you may have seen that our regular Dharma Talk series is entitled The Bodhisattva Path. And, um, and actually everything that we're doing here is the Bodhisattva Path, really. Um, uh, in the Bodhisattva tradition, and I'll get into the, the definitions of these terms if you haven't heard them before, so I'm going to get into them. Um, our view is that all sentient beings have been our precious mothers and fathers or will be at some future time and their suffering is unbearable. So we cannot stand to see them suffer. We want to become enlightened so that we can liberate them from samsara, which is endless cyclic experience, uh, rebirth, uncontrollable, right? Um, and so according to the Burzen Archive, a bodhisattva is, quote, someone who has developed an unlabored bodhicitta aim to attain enlightenment for the benefit of all beings. Bodhicitta, what is it? Okay, so now I'm going to quote from this book. And there's a great chapter. I love the title of it. It's called, People Like Us Can Make a Difference. People Like Us. Um, so Pema defines uh, bodhicitta, and she's drawing on multiple translations of the term, uh, classical traditional translations, uh, as the awakened heart, and it refers to an intense desire to alleviate suffering. So this is the theme of the Bodhisattva path. Uh, when we read our prayers before the Dharma talk, we are asking for our own bodhicitta to awaken and for that which has awakened to increase more and more, not diminish, right? So um, there's another idea here that I feel especially applies to this talk and to my experience of Dharma and parenting, and that is um, the concept of dependent arising. So, or as Lama says, interdependent co-arising, right? So sometimes we get way under this pendulum, we get uh, the pendulum, we get codependence, right? Not a healthy relationship with things. And then way over here, we get, that has nothing to do with me. <laughs> Go back to your own corner. And then we have the middle way. We're all interdependent, right? We're all involved in the causes and conditions of, of, of each other's lives and our own lives, right? So um, the Heart Sutra, which we read in our prayers, covers this material, but I'm going to also read from Lama Sankapa's poem, Lama Sankapa. I'm not very scholarly. Maybe somebody can back me up. I believe was the teacher who brought um, Buddhism to Tibet. Is that right? Lama Sankapa? Yeah. He's the founder of our tradition. Yeah. Our tradition here. Okay, thank you. Um, so this is a poem called In Praise of Dependent Arising. It's stanza 15, and I'll read it a couple of times. Um, Thus you said that because of that, 
since there are no phenomena other than what dependently arises. There are no phenomena other than what is devoid of a self-establishing nature. Read it again. Thus you said that because of that, since there are no phenomena other than what dependently arises, there are no phenomena other than what is devoid of a self-establishing nature. So it's pretty obvious that I'm a mom because of Gia and Canyon, and it's obvious that they wouldn't exist as Gia and Canyon if, it w- if I weren't their mom. But what might not be apparent to you is that I have the Dharma because of my children, and they have the Dharma because of me. So, um, and that leads me into the Lojong slogans. Seven-point mind training. It's a classical text um, developed roughly a thousand years ago in Tibet, I believe, Tibet. Um, and the text includes a, a series of aphorisms and slogans, one of which is to be grateful to everyone. Um, when things are super, super, super easy, we don't have any, any need to do anything, right? We don't have any need to work on anything or, or, or be contemplative or, right? So when we have challenges and problems, they arise, then we can, then we can do some work, right? So, um, so, yeah. So when I read that, too, I, I had this here. When I read that, be grateful to everyone, my, my mind automatically wants to add, you know, especially the difficult ones, right? Um, so before I came to Lions Roar Dharma Center, I, as I mentioned before, I was kind of like a very dabbly sort of spiritual practitioner. Um, I read little bits and pieces, kind of Google Dharma style. Um, and my primary solution to my problems and my own suffering, which is much the same as everyone's, was to avoid... Right? I don't like that person. I don't like that job. I'm going to quit, find another job. Um, or I would seek things that gave me pleasure. You know, oh, let's you know, have brunch with the girls. Let's go off to wine country. You know, let's go shopping. Right? Um, so you know, I had a loose understanding of the Four Noble Truths. And, um, you know, but I was pretty good at avoiding suffering. Pretty good. You know? um, I was pretty happy pretty healthy, pretty successful, you know. But when my daughter came along, uh, she was a big surprise. Um, I was 42. And um, for the first time, I could not run away. Couldn't run away. So Because here's this little person who is completely, completely dependent. And she was mad, and she was colicky, and she stayed up all night, and she had allergies, and she was rashy, and she was... It was tough. It was tough. Um... We were waking up every 30, 45 minutes a night for months, right? I mean, I remember thinking one day, this is why they use sleep deprivation as a, a, a tor- torture in POW camps, because it drives you crazy. You know, postpartum depression is real. You know, the causes and conditions of that are real, right? It's, it's major. Yeah. <sighs> All right. So... It was tough. It was tough uh, physically. It was tough mentally. It was tough emotionally. But there wasn't any running away. I mean, <laughs> it was like, okay, kid, you can take care of yourself. You know, I'm, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go to wine country with the girls. Um, that just, it's, no, it's not going to happen, right? Um, so uh, I managed to survive it. I just kind of gritted my teeth. I'm like, okay, it's temporary. I'm going to get through it. Um, 
And then when she was a few years old, I, I decided I wanted her to have a sibling. So we had Canyon, and he's a beautiful little guy over there, and also a little bit of a troublemaker, but it's okay. Then we appreciate the sweetness. Um, but I was really in for it. Um, mothers of multiples. Mo- mothers with one child, it's, tar- it's tough. Mothers with multiples, it's exponential. It's quantum um, because they f- their energies feed off each other. And I was, so I was really in for it now. Um, and now it wasn't, uh, I mean, I have in here, most days were like an alchemic shit show of tantrums. Sorry if I offended with the four-letter word. Uh, tantrums, neediness, exhaustion, breaking up fights. Um, you know, you run from one and then you go to the other, and then somebody's okay and somebody's not okay. Um, so there wasn't any time to go, wow, am I okay? Ooh. Um, so, and, and there is really no parenting blog or parenting book that can prepare you for that because it's just reality, right? It's reality and it's changing from moment to moment. So, um, so what, happened, what started to happen is despite my aspirations for being this zen, perfect, kind, gentle, patient mother is that some of the uglier parts of my um, ego self, my conditioned self, started to come out, right? My, my past karmas, my family of origin programming, my, uh, you know, those causes and conditions had ripened. My karma, we say it, uh, like my karma had ripened, right? So, um, so it's not a bad thing. It's actually a great thing because then we get to take a look at it, right? Before that, it was just kind of, well, wine and chocolate, wine and chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Why the chocolate? A good rom-com? Okay, yeah. Um, so, um, so I began grappling with myself and um, my, my desire to be a peaceful parent, my aspirations. Uh, and it was creeping into my parenting for sure. You know, I, my, my kids, even when you repress it, I mean, your kids are, are, are perceiving your energy because they see everything. They're just wide open, right? Um, so I actually got started to get very, very sick, and I was sick for months, and then I would get well, and I would get sick, I would get well, and I will um, get emotional again because my mother passed away not very much older than I am right now from cancer, right? Stakes are high when you're a parent because you are totally responsible for another person's life for a while, you know? And so I thought, this is not going to go down. You know, this is not going to go down. I am going to... Now I get to breathe again. Isn't that nice? <laughs> Thank you, microphone. Maybe I'll hold it. So, um, so that was... Uh, what I didn't know at the time was that that was a fledgling bodhicitta aspiration was I was going to get my shit sorted out for the benefit of these sentient beings, right? And um, at the time, I thought I was just signing up for stress reduction, really. <laughs> I thought I was just wanted to, ch- I just needed to chill out, you know. But, um, but it was really the beginning of something that was even more marvelous than I had, than I had seen, right? So this is why we are grateful to everyone, because even though we are um, pushed we have an we have a entree into our true nature. Marvelous. If we can stick with it, 
you know. So um, I had mentioned that we we are a temple. We do temple style practice here, right? Lama said, in order to be sustainable and to last, we need to be of service to our community. Um, last week in Dharma talk, he made reference to the Shakers, who were an offshoot of the Quakers, and to quote from a 2010 interview on PBS before the civil. I just realize I'm not close to the microphone. Is that okay? Better. Before the Civil War, there were nearly uh, 6,000 Shakers in 23 communities, and today there is just one active Shaker village left with just three members. And they have some beautiful aspirations and philosophies and ethics and practices, but you know, without families, the Shakers are almost non-existent. And that if we're going to be a benefit to all sentient beings, then it's not just uh, the path of personal liberation, it's also everyone else who we see around them that we want to take with us, right? We don't want them to suffer either. So um, often Western-style dharma is not inclusive to children and families, and so what that looks like is like retreat style, right? Um, and I enjoyed retreat style before I had children, um, you know, or maybe it was couples, and they would come to listen to dharma, and they would meditate together, and, and then they would go back to their lives, right? We'd go back to our lives. Um, but it's a crucial demographic that is not served in that style of dharma, uh, families, parents, and children. And when we consider that we all were once children, you know, we all had mothers and fathers. When we consider that every child we see will grow up, we hope, into adulthood and participate for better or for worse in our communities, we might want them to have some tools to manage their afflictive emotions, right? They're suffering. We might think about our own childhood and perhaps it wasn't easy, perhaps it was painful, or maybe it was even abusive. And maybe it would have been different if our parents had had dharma, you know? A meditation practice and a sangha. Um, maybe we would like this to be different for other sentient beings now and in the future. In our lineage, we consider that the actions we do will affect seven generations forward, so everything we do now is important. Another sutra that Lama referenced to me in Darshan, uh, Darshan uh, is interview face-to-face with your teacher, is the Filial Piety Sutra, which is uh, formally, no- formally known as the sutra about the deep kindness of parents and the difficulty in repaying it. <clears throat> um, I'm going to read to you the section that Lama quoted to me in uh, Darshan. Um, The context of it is that the Buddha is uh, walking with uh, the assembly of uh, monks and um, arhats and uh, uh, sangha, basically, and he comes across some bones laying to the side of the road that are black. And he bends down and he bends down and he um, prostrates to the bones. And um, one of the monks, I, I don't remember who I could refer to the, um, the sutra, but he says, you know, why are you doing this? And he says, well, because you see the bones are black. This is a mother. And, this is, and he goes on to, sacrifice, uh, to communicate all of the sacrifices that, um, that mothers uh, make for their children and why they, are so, uh, why they deserve homage. And by the way, I'm not saying this so that I get really nice Mother's Day presents, and <laughs> I might say, um, 
you know, it's not an ego stroke for me. Um, I'm, I'm relaying it just because um, Lama, Lama taught me this. Um, <clears throat> so, Ananda, Ananda asks how anyone can repay their parents. And by this time, the whole assembly is just weeping. Um, and he says, you know, how can, we do, how can we repay? And this is what Buddha says. If there were a person who carries his father on his left shoulder and his mother on his right shoulder until his bones were ground to powder by the weight as they bore through to the marrow, and if that person were to circumambulate Mount Sumeru for 100,000 kalpas, I don't know exactly how long a kalpa is, but I think it's a long time. Yeah. Until the blood that flowed out covered his ankles, that person would still not have repaid the deep kindness of his parents. He does say at the end of that sutra that making a copy of the sutra will repay the kindness, so here's a copy of it. If anybody would like to read it. Okay. And it's, it's on the internet, too. Um, so... <clears throat> I want to talk a little bit about um, the continuity of awareness and education, which is also something that Lama talked to me about. Um, And this is in context of having a precious human rebirth. I'm going to take a sip of tea. Um, Obviously, we need to have a precious human rebirth in order to study the Dharma. So even if our parents were deeply flawed beings, that we have a precious human rebirth is something to rejoice in. It is something that is indispensable in order to learn the Dharma, in order to understand our true nature and know the bliss of liberation and enlightenment. If we want another human rebirth, we can plan for it. No guarantees, but what we do now will have karmic implications in that reality. So contributing to a thriving sangha, which serves the whole community, it increases the chance of having access to the Dharma in our future lives, right? It's just mathematics, numbers game here, right? (laughs) Like this figurine, like the school librarian who happened to put a copy of Siddhartha on the table in the library, right? So... Uh, but not only do we want a precious human rebirth for ourselves, we also want others to have good rebirths, right? We want to create, so we want to create opportunities for other people to learn the Dharma. We don't proselytize because that's not the path, right? People need to come to it on their own, but we want to create opportunities. And we want our children and nephews and grandchildren and so on, right? If you don't have children, maybe you've got nephews or nieces. Maybe there's children in your neighborhood that you see, and you want them to have a good life, right? You want them to have a chance for uh, a tool to alleviate their suffering and, and, we, and to become liberated and enlightened, right? And we know that in order to do temple practice, real temple practice, we, and be on the bodhisattva path for real, we need to incorporate children and families and mothers and fathers and grandparents. So to quote again from Shantideva, um, this is the, the commentary that I brought, No Time to Lose, All the joy the world contains has come through wishing happiness for others. All the misery the world contains has come through wanting pleasure for oneself. So um, one of the things that a lama 
instructed me to actually it was the main instruction when I he said he wanted me to do the Dharma talk and I'm like I'm not a scholar he said what makes sense what just what makes talk about what makes sense so you know no matter how we look at it we're interdependent even if we're strictly on the path to individual liberation and we're not on the bodhisattva path you know or if we consider this even from a purely agnostic point of view with no thought to having another human rebirth just thinking about our present life right there may come a point in our lives when we are unable to care for ourselves right we've got the lvn in the room uh, checking the monitors in our uh, i'm referring to greg's dharma talk <laughs> um we're dependent right so um Right? Nurses, doctors, caregivers. But even now, when we're healthy and we're working, and you know, we can look around and we find that we're dependent and interdependent on others. You know, postal workers, farmers, landlords, right? Sentient beings are born every minute of every day all around the world, and in some way, large or small, they're affecting us. So even to have the foundations of Buddhist thought, the Four of Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, very basic meditation instruction, you know, shamatha, that brings peace to our community and to our world, right? So um, every once in a while I come across a a good meme with an insightful quote that comes across my Facebook page, and, um, you know, because the uh, ultimate truth, profound truth, uh, Buddha nature, everyone has it, right? And... um, and so I really like this one. Um, this is from Terry Rial, who is an author and a psychologist. And he says, uh, family dysfunction rolls down from generation to generation like a fire in the woods. And it takes down everything in its path until one person in one generation has the courage to turn and face the flames. And that person brings peace to their ancestors and spares the children that follow. So maybe some of you here are the one who is turning and facing the flames. Maybe you did that by coming here and by um, committing yourself to the path of understanding what your true nature is and getting some tools to tame your mind, you know. Okay. Should we take a breath? Ah, That's good. So... um, and when we, I, I'm going to try not lead, to leave this on a downer moment here because um, look, at, look around us. Isn't this wonderful where we find ourselves in this place? Yeah. But, you know, it is true that there is suffering, right? That's the first noble truth. We look around the world and we see it. You know, we, uh, the political uh, infighting, social disruption, addiction, family, domestic uh, conflict, um, and, but, you know, we can ask ourselves, does it have to be this way? You know, maybe we can imagine an enlightened society in which beings coexist interdependently with compassion, respect, patience. Lama talks about this as the vision of Shambhala, which is the enlightened society. And um, this includes, by the way, arts and sciences and music and culture and um, community, families animals. Um, and this is what we are working together toward here at Dona Darge Temple at Lions Roar Dharma Center. Um, but 
you know what? This vision requires all of our participation. You know? um, and maybe the participation that you uh, can do at this moment is to work on yourself. And that's the, the best place to start because that's where it starts. That's where it starts, for sure. Um, so I've actually run out of pages to, to read. <laughs> so that's good, right? Um, so usually what we do now is we take questions and comments and contributions. Knock-knock jokes. I might draw on some of the veteran members of Sangha to help me answer this because... Uh, I, I, I do, I, I have a familiarization and I practice Dharma, but I don't know everything, so. Uh, so I just wanted to comment on your speech. I thought it was incredible, actually, and very emotional. And, uh, you know, I, I really do enjoy the, the message of, you know, parents and families, how important that is. Because, I mean, it, it really is, and we forget, you know, just how important that cycle is. And... I just wanted to say I really appreciated you, you know, saying your children were sentient beings and that you had so much love for them because sometimes I feel as though parents, you know, see their children as objects or property. They don't respect them. They don't, I mean, they love them, but it's more, well, everybody's having children, so I'll have children. And they don't see them as little, you know, little beings that will grow up one day. So it's my hope that, you know, every mom and every parent in the world has the same view of their children as you do. Thank you, Renee. Can I can I comment on that? Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, my father, who's sitting over here, handsome, dashing fellow in the plaid shirt, <laughs> um, who, by the way, was a uh, a very committed Zen practitioner before I was born. So, there's a little bit of good karma there, right? Um. He and I were talking this morning. We went to breakfast. There's a great restaurant called Orphan around the corner that does an early breakfast. Um, about uh, sometimes what parents do under the guise, under the, the delusion, the confusion of love, is they think that their child needs to do or be something in order to be loved. And um, instead of just giving their child love and letting them know. You know what? I think that that might be you. Is your microphone on? No, it's me. It's not you. It's me. Um, okay, great. Okay. I think Lama will want to hear the recording so he can give me notes. Um, okay. Yeah. So he and I were talking about this, and um, I know this one because I have seen it to a certain degree in my own parenting, um, which is that we think we know what the child needs in order to be loved, and but it's not because we're not in our heart mind. We're in our ego, deluded mind, which is filled with all sorts of confusion. And then, and maybe it also came from our own parents who also probably wanted the best for us. And then what happens is, because we're not in our heart mind, we do this other thing. You'll be loved if you do this. You'll be loved if you have this. Or you'll be loved if you don't do this. And then the experience for the child is like, wow, you don't, you don't love me. Which is really sad, right? And so... 
I, I just wanted to let you know to, so that you can rest assured that no matter what it looked like to you, that your mother loves you deeply. And the, the, the thing that made it difficult for her to sorry, show you in a way that you could understand was her monkey mind. It was just the delusions and confusion, right? Mm-hmm. So rest assured that there, she loves you more than she can express. Mm-hmm. Guaranteed. And your father. Mm-hmm. Yeah, guaranteed. <laughs> okay. Thank you. It didn't make it any easier to experience it, however. I, I know that one. <laughs> I know that one. Yeah. Um, in reference to your little bitty Buddha, um, <laughs> I've had quite a few little ones like that uh, given to different people. And my daughter has quite the collection because my mom and my sister and everybody. Um, I had thrown a bunch of socks in a bag to give to my granddaughter. And I didn't know that I threw a little Buddha in there as well. She called me on the phone and said, Yaya, thank you so much for giving me my first Buddha. I love it. (laughs) And she's eight years old. So, yeah, I've seen a lot of hope in my next generation. It's really awesome. Thanks. That's great. Anybody else have any questions or comments or Yeah? Greg has a question. Of course I wanted to say thank you for talking today. It's so important for the Sangha to hear your your journey and your path to liberation, right? Um, a couple of things that, that come to mind. Um, I, I, you know, I, I have a profound respect for mothers and for women in general. And in our tradition, that's really important. Um, in the Dalai Lama, doesn't you don't hear you know the Asian cultures very men women you know they have very different perceptions than we do. Um, but from a Buddhist perspective and from a Dharma perspective, um, men only become liberated, enlightened on a straight line path. If you just imagine a straight line, right? It's pretty boring. Women, because of their energies. They are, the, they are the gateway to the universe, first and foremost, right? We don't have precious human rebirth without women. So that's number one, is that, that women are the gateway to the universe. That's so important. And because of that energy, and because of that capability, and because of that responsibility, the energy and the path for liberation and enlightenment for women is in a spiral, right? It's not a straight line. It's not, it's not very linear. It's a spiral because of that energy that, that's created and manifested. And, and I just, I, you embody it all. So I, I'm, we're so grateful to have you as a part of our Sangha. And um, your kids are very grateful and your family too to have you, right? To continue to demonstrate the path to liberation. So thank you, Noah. Thanks. Thank you. Just as a nod to the fathers in the room, too, because um, we have some wonderful fathers, a lot of fathers. There's this father of my children, and, and so he's, so dependent, interdependent co-rising, impossible, right? <laughs> um, we all took, you know, that class in high school, so we know that it's not possible, right? In some other faiths, it is possible, but not really, um, no. So I, d- I wanted to thank the fathers, too, by the way, um, who are doing a great job of, uh, and whose children are in, in the Little Buddha's program with ours, and who, who also, you know, are fully fledged individuals grappling with their own um, uh, challenges, you know. And there's a number of them, and I'm sure I'm not seeing all of them, but I'm hopefully 
seeing, you know, I'm acknowledging you and, and honoring you as well and, and thanking you, really. Because you put up with a lot. You put up with, you know, <laughs> that's a lot. Um, any other questions before we take a break? No, okay. Thank you so much. Um, we're going to take a break for bathroom and whatever else, and then we'll come back here. How long is the break usually? Like 10 minutes? Okay. We'll do 10 minutes, and then we'll come back, and we'll do a, uh, a meditation and um, announcements, and then hopefully you'll join us for coffee and tea in the back. Thank you. This has been a Lion's Roar Dharma Center recording. For more information visit lionsroardharmacenter.org.